Well, we have the pleasure of a panel where all the panelists are uh, repeat offenders, so to speak. They've all been on this series in the past. Who, are his, who is here at the review panel for the first time ever? Anybody? All right. Well, let me, uh, for your benefit and to remind everyone else of what we're up to, what we're doing, we've all, at least I hope those of us on the panel, have been to see four current exhibitions around New York City. We're going to do live reviews of them here on the panel. And there's going to be a couple of opportunities over the course of the evening uh, for the audience to let off a little steam, make their own points, their own contributions, or ask questions if they really feel that something has been missed by this panel. Um, so we, the evening is divided into two. Uh, a little video that shows us the first two exhibitions we've looked at, the discussion, the audience. A couple of uh, pieces of housekeeping of importance. Uh, first is, most important of all, uh, that we're all invited for a drink afterwards uh, by the uh, gallery at One Grand Army Plaza. That's that white Richard Meyer building you can see on the other side of Eastern Parkway. So you'll see uh, a very thirsty moderator leading the pack. So just follow, um, follow me or anyone else um, and uh, we will gather there for a little uh, glass of something and a peanut and continue the debate and go our merry ways. And the other piece of housekeeping uh, regards the next panel. You may have noticed on the card, as we usually do, uh, an announcement of the uh, speakers and the date of the next panel. But uh, life intervenes sometimes and we've had to change the date and with it we've also changed some of our guests. Hi, baby. It's actually my child. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. For better or worse, probably worse. And, and he is, he, he or she? Uh, that's he, my husband. That's your husband, yeah, but he, the, the baby. The oh, Simone. Yes, that's very helpful, thank you, Simone. It's like saying, Being annoying, you it's like saying Andrea, What's, is it a male or is it a female? Andrea, oh, uh, right, Simone, right. Simone, also a veteran, a review panel veteran, isn't this her second? In this room before. Uh -huh. She then had to watch the simulcast. Yes, uh, and one should say that uh, she's in the arms of her daddy, who's David Gross, who's also, also been on the review panel. Been on the review panel. So um, a, there, there he is. Welcome, David, and we'll, we'll trade places next time and get you up here and Sarah can do the parenting. Great. Um, oh, yes, so a uh, little piece of house, second piece of housekeeping is that our next panel is on Friday, May the 5th, not as advertised Tuesday, but f the second, but Friday, May the 5th, a Whitney Biennial 2017 special. We'll be reviewing the much debated, hotly discussed Whitney Biennial, and my guests will be Jessica Bell Brown, Walter Robinson, and Harag Vartanian, um, also all returnees. Great, enough housekeeping. Uh, now the pleasurable duty uh, of introducing uh, this evening's guests. So, uh, from your left, uh, Alexi Worth, who is a painter, and he's one of those people who says he's given up writing. Um, in fact, it reminds us of Mark Twain. It's, it's very easy to give up writing. He's done it often. Um, uh, he was once the critic on the uh, one of the one of the unsigned critics on the New Yorker and a prolific uh, 
a critic on Art Forum and other places, but he now just writes the occasional catalogue essay. Um, anything good in the works in that department? Well, I wrote an essay about Carol Dunham, which will be in the um, uh, appear f- for his uh, upcoming Blum and Poe show in Los Angeles. Fantastic. Great. And um, I imagine you're spending a bit of time in your studio as well, although you've had quite a lot of outings recently. You had a uh, show at DC Moore not so long ago, right? So something else in the pipeline, I'm sure. Um, Sarah Douglas, who's um, already been identified in one of her uh, jobs, um, a biologically determined one, uh, is also um, chief critic, chief, uh, well, editor of Art News, um, the, the successor of Thomas B. Hess and, and other illustrious people along the way. Anything exciting happening in that journal, which has recently kind of merged with Art in America? What's that uh, about? Uh, we have the same owner now. Oh, the same um, owner, in right. Peter Brandt. Um, and we, uh, well, we have our, um, our issues have themes. So our underrated issue is out right now, which I highly recommend. And uh, we're just closing up the, our summer issue. So there are exciting things in there. I won't reveal it. Fantastic. Well, we'll, we'll run out and buy it instead. Or, or look at it for free online. Okay, thank you very much. And Ara H. Mergian, am I pronounced? First question: Am I pronouncing your name correctly? Fine. It'll do. Okay, it'll do. It'll do. It'll do. But, but this is Brooklyn. We take multiculturalism <laughs> very seriously. So, what would you say your name is? I always say Ara. If you Ara. can roll the R, yeah. Ara. But then sometimes people try to overroll it, and it becomes Ara. <laughs> so Ara, Ara is fine. Ara, Ara is fine. Right, Alexi always gets it right, for which I, I very much. <laughs> well, um, I think Alexi has a distinction of actually having been your teacher once. Is that not? The case? He was my painting teacher, tragically for him in college. Right. Um, uh, yes, he was. Perhaps, perhaps having a painter writer as a <laughs> as an instructor was. Well, what he was. I must the, say, yeah. he was a fantastic teacher, and it was a it was an amazing, amazing class. Um, I was certainly one of the less gifted painters, which is, of course, why I became an art historian, right? It's textbook psychoanalysis. Yes, those who do, do, and those who can't write art history. Okay, (laughs) and and you are, but you are, however, a professor in the Italian studies department at NYU. I know that you've written a book on on, uh, De Chirico and Nietzsche, a very topical subject with that marvelous exhibition at the... uh, uh, Center of Italian Modern Art in Soho. Um, what's what's the next title going to be? Uh, the next book, which I'm just finishing up, is called Against the Avant-Garde, and it's on uh, Pierpaolo Pasolini and the art world in the 60s in Italy. Fantastic. Great. Well, good luck with that. Look forward to it. And Thank you. <laughs> why the hell are you laughing? I mean, I know I'm a ge- I know I have comic genius, but I'm wishing him good luck, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, why is that funny? I hope you're laughing at me, not him. I don't like. I don't, you can do all you like laughing at me, but I do take my uh, uh, the sensitivities of my uh, guests very seriously. Anyway, uh, guests, we have the great privilege of being able to swivel round on these chairs, and we're now ready to watch the first video. We start our discussion this evening with two exhibitions in Chelsea. Anoka Faruqi at Koenig and Clinton, and Via Selmins at Matthew Marks. Faruqi's exhibition, her second with this gallery, titled Bruises and Rainbows, continues to focus on intersections between perception and paint process. Faruqi applies paint 
with customized steel combs that generate a variety of circular motions and moiré effects. Working on linen applied to panels, she sands her surfaces to achieve a generally matte, even effect. She's fond of glitches that, according to Martha Schwendener in the New York Times, are preserved like fossils. The final effect is disruptive and uncanny, Schwendener writes. As Faruqi told David Humphrey in an exchange recorded at Yale in 2013, there are a lot of things happening with colour in the moiré patterns that are kind of illusionistic, yet I don't want the materiality to be lost. I feel like I'm sublimating the materiality for the optical experience, and so much of what you are seeing are traces or residues of material events. Via Salmins, who has been the subject of museum shows around the world, is having her first exhibition with Matthew Marks. Reviewing it in the New York Times, Holland Cotter writes, No natural elements are deeper and darker than the ones Via Selmans paints. Ocean and sky, specifically the rippling surface of the Pacific of California, and the night sky seen through telescopes as a dense, soft, pointillist field of thousands of individual stars. She magnifies the vastness of both by leaving out any framing-orienting references, a horizon line, say, to the element we're most comfortable with, Earth. Imagery, however, is not her foremost concern. As the artist says, the recognisable image is just one element to consider. The paintings seem more a record of my grappling with how to transform that image into a painting and make it alive. A painting in six parts, which is dated 1986-7 and 2012-16. A group of six oil paintings based on a photograph she took 50 years ago from a pier in Venice, California, provides her with an armature on which I hang my marks and make my art. The scrutiny of Salmon's gaze is perhaps most evident in her new sculptures, according to the gallery press release. Two stones and four stones consist of small rocks accompanied by painted bronze replicas virtually indistinguishable from the original. Similarly, her blackboard tableau works from 2007 to 15 collect 19th or early 20th century writing slates and then use wood, paint and pastel to create identical twins. Anoka Faruqi taking paint for a spin. What we've, we've uh, this is the second show we've seen of her work. I find them rather exhilarating. They, they, they give us a lot to look at and something to think about. But it's interesting to me that the teacher, uh, the, 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 the painter, and uh, Faruqi is an instructor at Yale and um, is somebody often included in group exhibitions uh, uh, at, at prestigious venues. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised, I'm pleasantly surprised to see these paintings because um, they don't seem very um, of the moment. Am I missing something? What, what, what do they seem like? A, they seem like a little bit of a throwback. Sarah, would you say that they are very um, um, of our moment, or uh, are they a little aloof from the times? I don't know if I would say that. Um, you know, there's definite. She's definitely drawing on op art. Um, that that tradition. 
um, I would say, you know, my my reaction to to these paintings. First of all, I'd be I'd be very interested to hear painters talk about these paintings, because it seems to me there is so much going on with color in them that she is she is clearly um, doing. They're, they're clearly quite accomplished. Um, I liked them more than I wanted to. I'm not sure I can explain that mm. kind of statement. On the or other hand... More than you suspected you might. You know, what's interesting about these paintings is they also register so much differently as reproductions than they do in person. Right. So I think one thing that has to be pointed out about them and something that um, maybe endeared them to me or me to them, I can't remember how that's constructed, um, is that when, you know, so they have this effect um, when you're standing back of like, of these moiré patterns, of the this oppie effect. Um, then of course, when you get up close um, and you look at the side of the painting, there's all kinds of drippy um, paint sort of mm. coming off the side as, as though it's oozing out of this incredibly formal situation. Um, and And that, that made me like them more. Oh. Uh, it's a bit I, all over the place, but maybe someone can take it from there. A bit like a, sort of a muffin sort of spilling out over the edges, that it, you, you, it feels more homemade and less <laughs> industrial if, if, if you got that. That's one way of putting it. Mm. You, you felt the paint in a different way, I think. Doesn't it also, Ara, the, 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 the gunky kind of accumulations of the edges, um, makes it sort of serve as an index to the painting because it, it's the painting, the paintings often have two or three kind of colors, or say two colors producing a, a moire third effect, but seeing more colors as a kind of index, an index of the effort that got to that slick finish. Well, <clears throat> I would think of the index in terms of the patterns that have shaped the surface of the of the painting, right? That the that in this instance, it's it's clearly not a brush that's been used, um, and so she's not only kind of allying herself with with op art, but also with the sort of di this disavowal of the hand, right? With the artist kind of, um, you know, starting in the '60s and '70s, the neo avant-garde sort of renouncing the hand and the individuality of the artist to kind of <clears throat> sort of mimic the kind of technocratic and technological production that had kind of taken over as a as a, a liberation from sort of bourgeois individuality, right? I mean, she's clearly going back to that moment. But also, I thought, you know, there's something slightly nostalgic about them in the sense of the, that kind of psychedelic, you know, I thought of, you know, the sort of dorm posters from high school and college, these velvet psychedelic posters that people would like to look at when they're smoking pot, basically. I mean, they're, they're clearly sort of playing on that sort of nostalgia to a certain extent. But I like the, I like the surface events that she enlivens them with um, over and above the more regulated indexical tracings of the, that she's used to comb over the paint, that there are she clearly still is invested to some extent with with accident with the splatter of paint um and i too like the the spill over the impasto that mm. the sort of spills over the side gives it this kind of materiality um that you know it's fun to see i i, I certainly was not blown away by them in, in mm. any to any extent i thought that they were interesting but but not mind-blowing 
Right, right. Alexei, um, I, I guess that they do fit into a current of um, painting that, or, or they, uh, painting that goes beyond the brush and that goes back to uh, a process preoccupation with um, misregistrations, technical effects, technical <coughs> glitches. Makes you, mm, is she kind of uh, a more palatable Wade Guyton or something like that, for instance? Um, palatable. Sure, I think that's a good comparison. I found myself, for one thing, you're talking about the brushes, her, the catalog, the monograph, has these big pictures of her studio full of brushes. And I was like, mm. and there's like, you know, it's like a million different small kind of sable brushes and filberts. Maybe and on Sunday she does impressionist uh, landscapes. <laughs> <laughs> but I said to them, why, what are, why are these here? Like, how come she has so many brushes? And they were, they had, they didn't know. And it's a little mysterious. But... You know, in thinking about an art world that's so retrospective, where we have such a such a rich set of past options to be thinking about, her work seems so judicious and artful in its retrospectiveness, in its in the ways that it touches back to so many different prior moments without over investing in any one. Mm. And you can you can create a little kind of multiple provenances and say, yes, she's, um, you know. I kept thinking of a kind of super dry, cerebral Karen Davy, who is herself ah. a kind of artfully retro yeah. um, return to op in different ways. It, I think the, the reason that people keep talking about how smart she is mm. is that she negotiates that, that kind of sense of multiple memories so well and doesn't ever seem like she's you know, um, allowing you to say, oh, you come from X only. It's always, mm. there's kind of some David Reed elements, there's Definitely. op, yeah. there's a combination of kind of all these different things. And, um, and you find yourself in a little kind of contemporary art historical conversation with her mm. where the paintings are always giving back kind of thoughtful, evasive answers. My, that t to me, I, I wasn't... I guess I was a little bit more excited than Ada sounded because above all about the color and the weird way that these square paintings felt so um, so vivid, so present, like the bullet-like ones seemed to be like bulging out and then dropping way back. Mm -hmm. For, you know, for a show of all square paintings, it seemed remarkably um, kind of, uh, like optically voluptuous. My problem was, the only area where I felt more hesitant was, and here I, I'm the opposite of Ada's take, the, the, um, the, the muffin mm -hmm. uh, top corners and the glitches. I, I took them to be a kind of register of her desire for, and she talks about this mm. um, uh, in the interview that's in that catalog, a, a desire for fucked upness and and imperfection and a, a kind of over materiality to and, and to materiality offset the opticality and the human right and the and something all those human. things and it seems like that seems right the paintings are so there's a kind of snow blind dazzling beauty to them that seems dangerously over perfect and she's pushing against it but right now the way she does feels a little bit like um uh it feels I'm not sure that it's entirely authentic to the to the mm. to the um to the method it feels a little bit like it's a it's a careful cautious hedge against 
what what could be kind of oppressive in the paintings, and I'm um, I almost think they might be braver if they were more oppressive. If she embraced the cerebral quality of them. It, yes, it's a like a super finish. eloquent person, mm. you know, adding uh, some like swear words or a belch, you know, to the end of their peroration. Which sometimes works. It, 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 I, I'm un, uncertain about it. it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't work, but that, that's where my question, my sense, I'm not sure I trust her on that. Mm. They don't seem like uh, accents or add-ons to me. They are clearly um, generated by the process. Uh, and so um, mm. if, she, if she went further and removed them, uh, she would have a different image. So... But it does beg the question of to what, to what extent they're casual and to what extent they've been added. I mean, some, certainly in some areas where there's actually stray paint, it, it, it is not, it's clearly not been just simply an accident of process. She's, she's gone on and actually... Oh, um, you mean, you know, um, it, oh dear, it's perfect. I'll do it another two revolutions and get a glitch. I, it, there, are, there are moments like that where it seems that the, those imperfections have been at least courted, if not... Sought actively. Courted is a good word. That's how oh. I feel about it. I mean, one doesn't know, but mm. courted, yes, sounds sounds that might be true. Courted I, more than tolerated. I mean, the other thing is that in reproduction, the reproduction dulls, of course, the vibration, right? The, the yeah. kind of almost phenomenological encounter that you have with them, where your eyes kind of go nuts. I think so. especially those three primary colored ones, the whitest of the of the paintings in the room, and the biggest. I found those really increasing. I, on my second visit, I liked them more than the first, and I found myself really feeling that they were, you know, they couldn't have been simpler in some ways, and, and yet they were, I don't know, kind of a pretty remarkable experience to stand in front of. Yeah, yeah. So, But let's, let's, let's spend a moment longer on this. Um, the intentional... Um, ta- the intentional... Um, uh, contingency. That's mm. what we're talking about, I think, really, because uh, she she actually has both an aesthetic, uh, I mean, an underlying aesthetic and a process that one feels can and should produce a very slick um, um, optical effect. It is optical effect driven. Mm. So uh, this this insistence on the handmadeness, and perhaps that's what those brushes are doing in the photograph in the catalogue. It's to say, uh, I'm, I'm still a hands-on painter, despite these custom-designed metal combs. Um, it, there's, it, 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 she sort of presents herself as a bit of a dualist, but, but it could be viewed as a bit of an anxiety, uh, not to be categorized as the... Um, uh, slick perfectionist. But I think it's a very right. It's a it's it's a sympath. It's an anxiety that I'm so totally sympathetic to. It seems to me another another proof that we're dealing with a very sophisticated mind. Yes. With the work and that I feel, I feel kind of invested in the future of this work and excited about where it is. But more the first. Right. Okay. Let's. Um Let's turn to our second exhibition of the evening. We're still in Chelsea. We're going to see Via Selmans, um, who's having her first show with Matthew Marks after showing for quite a number of years with um, um, the McKee Gallery, uh, which shut its, shut its doors recently. And its various stars have moved on to other galleries. And Matthew Marks has scooped up Via Selmans. Um,
you love her or you hate her. Ara, um, the departure perhaps for this show for her is, is sculpture and 3D work, um, but we're still also with the uh, uh, iconic Selman's night sky motif. Um, one painting, one work in six panels is dated over several decades uh, of night sky. Um, it's how a bit this like your shirt, actually. No kidding, really? <laughs> From a distance. From a distance. I actually did buy this shirt uh, two days after going to a, a, a benefit gig honoring Via Selmins. And the first time I wore it, uh, my friend said, uh, you know, why couldn't you got that two days earlier and really <laughs> worn it at the Via Selmins event? Anyway, my shirt notwithstanding, um, Ara, let's, let's launch with you this time. Sure, um, sure. Um, <clears throat> I mean... Uh, I, I suppose my my take boils down to this. Certainly, her first show at Matthew Marks, um, and she's she's put some new work on it in it. And let me to start by saying that I admire her work immensely. I, you know, I I, I think that um, she her work has generated a lot of important sort of discussion um, and certainly kept figuration alive at times where I think it, it had undergone some <coughs> um, some various sort of challenges to its relevance. There was absolutely nothing remotely new in the show. I mean, almost every single thing in the show was were either repeats of things that she's done in the past or actual things from... Um, from far earlier, it was virtually identical to a show that I remember seeing at the Reina Sofia in Madrid in about, around 1997. So I was, I suppose I was at once um, suspended between my admiration for the craft of her work and the diligence um, that she applies to it um, and the almost, you know, uh, Giorgio Morandi-like, um, almost seemingly uh, autistic focus. Um, and... The fact that uh, that she's really not done anything remotely new that that she that she's wanted to include. I guess if you paint the night sky, you think in longer time spans than the average uh, uh, art <laughs> career, and and perhaps. Well, again, uh, I mean, the Morandi perhaps is a you know is a is then a kind you know the duration is obviously one of much more sort of nuanced change, and the, you know it, it takes nothing away from her. I suppose the. The quality of her achievement, but um, uh, you know, and it, it does. I, I do still think it keeps alive questions about authenticity and reproduction, even in, in the age of three D printing. So, for example, the tablets that she reproduces, the blackboards um, that she sort of salvaged and painstakingly reproduced in all of their detail, every stray mark on the original um, tablet is recreated to such unbelievable meticulous detail and um, it's almost impossible to verbalize the stunning, mesmerizing, even disturbing um, identicalness of these objects. And it really conjures up the idea of, of course, part of, the, part of it is the game, which is the original and which is the copy. And that, of course, opens on to larger questions about what authenticity is, what is it rooted in, particularly in an age when now entire th objects can be printed um, identically. But I don't know how, how, how you guys felt, but I, just, I, was, I was, I suppose, surprised that in this first exhibition at, at Matthew Marks that she presented no sort of new work. Well, it may, of course, be that um, uh, 
she knows of some innovation, but it'll take the art world equivalent of light years for it to um, transmit to us. Sarah, are you a fan of VIA Summits? Well, I mean, it's funny you should use that word because I think that's exactly, you know, in preparing for, for this, I read... Um, well, I guess reread Randy Kennedy's piece about, you know, a little profile of her. And he used that word, he's, you know, and I think that's exactly right. Either you're a fan of, of hers or, or you're not in a way. Um, I have a, a, this is extraneous to the conversation, but I have a kind of nostalgic um, attachment to her work because it was actually one of the first exhibitions I saw when I moved to New York in 1992 at the Whitney and I remember that show mm. so vividly but uh, it's interesting in seeing this show I had a similar reaction to yours remembering the show at the Whitney and thinking oh well you know nothing's <coughs> much changed but I'm not sure that's the point of what she does and mm. and perhaps if we I mean of course she she has painted in a different mode I'm thinking of the painting of a heater at the Whitney that the Whitney owns, yes, um, which is a great painting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> at the same time, um, when I saw the exhibition, I was thinking about two other exhibitions that happened to be, to be up right now. That's okay. If we bring up other shows. Yes. Okay. Um, which is, you know, so if, if you've been um, to Chelsea recently, so just a um, nearby <coughs> is a show at Vic Muniz. Mm-hmm. Um, an artist who I think can be kind of gimmicky. Um, so it's like, wh- which is the real rope and which is the photograph of a rope? Next painting. Which is the real crayon? And w- I'm making that up, but you get the point. Yeah, it's a spot Waldo kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over, varied and, and sort of spiced up and presented in a different way. <sighs> and it, and, then, on the other hand, you have Uptown um, at Aquavella, an exhibition of Damien Loeb, um, a painter I don't especially like. Um, but there were also paintings of, night, of the night sky, and he did them from photographs he took, you know, from photographs, so very meticulously painted. <clears throat> um, but then, you know, so on the one hand, you think about the, the experience of the Moonies, and then you look at, you know, the rocks that she made that are, and, mm. and the blackboard that you were describing. Mm. And I really, I, you know, for me, the, the act of looking at those and taking them in is a kind of um, analog to her process, meditative process in mm. creating these mm. things. And I think that they in, induce that in a way that, you know, is is thrown into high relief when you compare it to something like the Vic Muniz's, right? Yeah, well, those, so, those two young men are sort of... I, I know that uh, Loeb is um, painstaking by his own <coughs> standards, but they're both kind of... Um, uh, neither is n- neither is really the kind of saintly hermit that one, one gets the impression that Salmins is. I mean, Salmins is kind of a... A Zen conceptualism, isn't it? Of course, of course. A, and, a project and, you know, a bit like on Kawara, but it's actually a photorealist as well. It's like, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and I find that you know, I, I guess if you're a fan of hers, you can't see enough of those night skies. You can't see enough of those wave paintings. I wonder though, even if you're a fan, and I must sort of confess, um, I'm not. <coughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a uh, <coughs> moderate admirer and um, don't dislike them enough to want to say anything um, mean about them. But I, I wonder what a <laughs> fan would do with 
two or with three rather than two or two rather than one. I um, I don't quite know how to look at them, to be honest. Um, perhaps, Alexei, you could enlighten me. Are you, uh, you Well, you've described my position. Um, I am a deep anti-fan. <laughs> I really, I really hate that work. I hate it. I, I am. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned Damien Loeb because the idea of some of his star paintings and some of hers together would be a kind of fantastic anti-show for me. The worst, just the worst things together at last. I, I want to see them. Um, but I care more about what I dislike in her work because she's brilliant. Because there are moments, and, and that heater painting is a painting that every art student finds and loves, um, where you see how um, intelligent and talented she is. And there was one piece in this show where I felt I could see that again, and it made me furious at the others. I just, I feel like... And which was that piece? Um, it's a drawing on the back wall. I think it's, it's one of the reverse skies. It's in graphite on acrylic on paper. Mm. It was really kind of startling to me because I, I, the first time I saw the show, I had my normal V.S. Selman's reaction, which is a kind of glum, um, you know, just a deep negative feeling to see, to me, a brilliant, a brilliant painter uh, continuing on a sterile path. <coughs> and brilliant because she has a, a control and a measure, or well, because there must be more to being a brilliant painter than just um, nerdishness. Yes, there is, and but I mean, I, as I say, I think I've seen it in prior paintings, especially the very early work. Right. Um, and you know, the del tonal delicacy of those paintings. There's a bunch of formal things that are there, especially if you spend a little bit of time comparing the six versions of the that oceanscape. Um, you can see she's doing all kinds of delicate little things that are not trivial, but they end up feeling trivial to me. And the the substitution of dedication for imagination, I, I can't ever support. Well, that's that's why I brought up Morandi, right? Because again, it, you know, the subtle oh, uh, the subtle sort mm. of gradations between studio light between six p.m. and seven p.m. or between from two Morandi bottles or instead of three, there's a kind of nuance. The, again, the duration is. Right, and these are sort of yeah, but there's not there's nothing um, procedural or, or conceptual in Morandi. I mean, each each one would disagree. I e would disagree. Each one is it's like looking at somebody who paints nudes. I mean, it's, I think uh, that's why he's you know Morandi's been a huge sort of touchstone for a lot of conceptual artists, and that's why he's so I think overrated is that he's claimed by painters, painters, and by the sort of more cerebral. It's right. claimed by two constituencies, you're saying. Yeah, What's that? yeah, he's sort of lionized by both crowds. And I think that yeah, that's, but, I yeah, think yeah. that's why when you look at that panel, that wall of Selmins' waves, that's, I immediately thought of the kind of those minute gradations, as Alexi put it, in those, you know, in those endless still lives, which is a, a similarly, for me, kind of ultimately sterile path. Uh, but yeah. Um, no. That, that's fun. We got a serious argument here. No, because, <laughs> because, because Morandi is, 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 is voluptuous, sensual, and each one is, is, is a unique moment of that jar or tin in the studio on this day. They're so phenomenological and, and perceptual. And, and but the, phenomenological and voluptuous are not the same thing. There's, there's nothing sensual about a Morandi to me at all. They're the most sort of no. cerebral... They're I don't know what gesture sort of I could. I need an emoji. Help! Uh, <laughs> but can can I just quickly just throw? Maybe it? the etchings would subscribe to that, but I'm not even not sure there really. To be honest, no, I think we're in different 
uh, zones here, but yeah. I mean, um, earth, well, I love, I have earth to say, tones and, and sort of brushwork do not sensuality make. I'm sorry. That's my... I, do not? I, no. I adore this because there's so oh. much piety about Mirandi that I, I enjoy Ada's um, heterodox take enormously, although I cannot I cannot come over to your <laughs> evil team here. But I wanted to say this one drawing, which I recommend. I'm curious to know if other people have the same... Um, or a similar take on it. It's on the back wall. I believe it's called Reverse uh, Night Sky Number Six. I, ha- I didn't bring my notes, but it's a relatively small piece on the left-hand side of the back wall. And here's what's different well, about yes, it. Yes. Okay. It's it's um, to me the sequence of little marks have a kind of almost like a violence to them. They're these skittering little connect the dots close sequences that make little arcs and curves that are. To me, shockingly different, above all from the paintings, where there's a kind of bland distribution that I I can't begin to pay attention to. I almost, I looked at this accidentally, and I was stunned. I thought, oh, that's an interesting area. And then I began moving around. I thought the whole drawing, and I wonder, it's in graphite, so maybe maybe it has something to do with the material. Mm -hmm. But I felt I saw, again, the liveliness that I saw in some of the very early works um, in that one piece. I think she's her her intention is to suppress any liveliness. They they're like, um, it's like you went to hear Morton Feldman and he'd had too much to drink that day and he was sounding like some jazz player. And so you say, oh, that's something. That, well, that's not the real but Feldman. This so this is not the real <laughs> Selman. So you just. I, you know. I don't see it as a suppression of liveliness. I see it as attention to a different register of things. Ah, and yeah. I and I think that. Uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, you keep using the word sterile. I really think it's interesting, you know, to think about that word. Well, they both used it. Yes. Um, and because to me that you consider the word sterile, you immediately think of these objects that she so painstakingly recreated. Are not stones. Just, okay. <laughs> not just the objects themselves, but I'm thinking of the blackboard, all the little marks on it. In a way, and that, but then she puts it in this airless vitrine. So it's kind of taking this well-worn, you know, object and putting it in a sterile environment. And I happen to also like that kind of situation, that push and pull between those two things. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm, as I say, I'm a serious skeptic, but I don't think... Um, I think the comparison with Vic Muniz is very interesting because I don't think she has a programmatic kind of Joseph Kossuth, here are three chairs, dictionary definition, chair, blah, blah. I don't think there's anything of that in what she's... I don't think she's didactic. I think she sets herself these uh, Sisyphusian tasks for her own redemption, not for our edification. Whereas uh, whereas Muniz, I think, is, is sort of... Um, Professor Moon is telling us, oh, look, this is a real button, and this is a, a photograph of a button, or whatever. You know, that's a different quality of experience. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we can just talk a, just briefly about the question of craft, right? Because, you yeah. know, because craft is so sort of verboten in, in high. Um, in high modernist and certainly scholarly, most scholarly critical discourses, right? Uh, she does, you know, in, in, a, in a way that made me and sometimes think even of Sherry Levine, obviously in a, perhaps a less <clears throat> conceptual way, but the question of authenticity and imitation and, and, and the skill, the craft that it takes for her to make those objects, right? I'm not talking about the paintings, I'm talking about the blackboards and the stones. I mean, 
what uh, you, you, Alexa, you sort of recoil even from that project. Is that do you find nothing redemptive? What about Robert Gober with the replication? Or or Gober? Yeah, absolutely. You use the word diligence, and it's kind of a superhuman diligence. But what could be worse than that? But doesn't it? It raises questions, though. I mean, I don't think she's. Again, I don't think she's doing it. I don't think she's doing it in the way that David um, points out about Moon is in this kind of spectacular. I don't think it's a spectacle. I think it really is a kind of meditative question of what does it mean to make an object that that can be perceived identically to another. But and we, that, that we have a, a whole human... sequence of paired ex- object experiences going back to factum one and factum two. Yes, the absolutely. Boxes, absolutely. Other examples. This has been done better before. But but there but it's very different than Rauschenberg's factum one factum two because that still involves chance it still involves right there are subtle differences between them that let you know that in fact the seemingly uh, you know unimitable um, abstract expressionist sort of genius mark is in fact copyable this is is so much more kind of psychotic in its in its identicalness that it con- I think it's a it takes it to a different plane of Listen, to me it takes it to a plane of sentimentality and nostalgia a meditative quiet um but but deeply sentimental thing of like oh the cherished 19th century artifact oh the schoolroom oh education handwriting i don't think thematics yeah i don't think the thematics enter into it at all i don't think that the subjects matter all at all other than other than as as vehicles of all of them i think each of them is a poetic tender delicate sentimental choice no i don't think so i think they're i think they transcend they're meant to transcend their their actual content i think i mean they are fairly sort of I mean, they're not mass-produced objects, and they're not. But but that's they're they're stones, organic. The blackboards are using natural materials, but in in a, in a factory situation. But yeah, they're not uh, they're not Brillo boxes. They're not. Um, but um, it, it almost seems like these are just made for her, and we are witnessing uh, the. The, the the zen of her having made them and that 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 gives some people uh, a thrill and a, and some connection to something it sends me to sleep but uh you know each each to their own in a sort of way they look like they have the the nerdishness of chuck close before he moved into the loopy circles yes that um well, they're co-generational uh, yes yeah, so right? they are they're, fo- they're photorealists um, I mean, the fact that she's working from photos. <laughs> yeah. The early chocolates. I, yeah. I, yeah. To me, they, we, I, it's a cruel thing to say, but aesthetically, I mean, uh, Chuck's um, uh, health problems were, helped him. I mean, uh, were saved the day because it, it mm. produced interesting marks at last. Well, but we wouldn't want you to. You know that those We're preceded. We're not going to get into that, but it's just yes. as interesting but different painter. Yes. That hadn't happened. All right. Um, good time for the audience to come in then on, on Anoka Faruqi or via summons. And there'll be a mic working its yes. way around. Let's, um, let's perhaps um, start with summons as she's the freshest in mind. And, uh, uh, anybody in, in the audience care to weigh in on this um, the issues raised. I mean, are are these subjects um, 
are the, are the subjects significant and sentimental, or are they expedient vehicles? Um, are we supposed to really uh, savor her craft, or is it, um, is it just her business how she goes about her job? Um, are these didactic in some way, or uh, hermetic? What, what a, yes, there's a, some in front row, please. Um, Wait for the mic, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, I think that what you've been saying sort of hits on the problem with them is that in that there's no room for you as a viewer in the experience. And to me, that's like a big problem because to like them or to you know love them is to admire them and not to be particularly challenged by them. And if it were, if it was about just for her, which I think could be interesting, then why the example of the original? You know, mm. like, I think that, that the inclusion with the rocks and the uh, chalkboards of the original there, it's sort of like, ooh, look at how wonderfully she managed to, you mm. know, like capture all of the nuances of, you know, an essentially random situation. But she always has a static thing in front of, her. I mean, when you were talking about Mirandi, I mean, Mirandi is essentially dealing with something that, even though it might be static and sitting there, he's, you know, limited by his observation. Whereas the photograph, it's like there. I mean, she can always get it better or, you know, like more exact or something like that. But in the end, the bigger problem is where are you? in the process uh, of interacting with them uh, in like making them alive in a way, it, it seems like your options are very limited. Mm -hmm. I, it doesn't give the viewer very much freedom. That's all. Right, thank you. <clears throat> it seemed to me that it's really a philosophical question. It's, um, at first I had the same feeling that, oh, okay, so you're making something exactly like something else. But it was the water paintings that, of the photograph that actually brought me in. And it made me realize that the question is, when you look at something, you're never seeing it the same, no matter what it is. It's always gonna look different to you every day and what's really real in life and what isn't, and what, how it's always changing every second in everything that we see. <clears throat> and then the water of this, this photograph that she was obs obsessed with redoing over and over and over because every time that she looked at it, it looked different. And the subtleties of every time how it changes is, really the magic of it all. I mean, it's a very simple concept. It's, you know, it's not a very complicated thing. Um, that's it. Thank you. No, no, that's. I actually think that what, what she was saying touches on something that I, I like about this work. And, you know, again, maybe this is slightly extraneous, but I think at a time when we all are, spend a lot of our time in the mode of, I do this and then I'm done with it and then I do this, and then I'm done, and I move on to the next thing. <clears throat> that it's refreshing to, to have this, to, to 
if you can enter into it, to um, enter into this kind of singularity of purpose and vision um, that seems so um, antithetical to the way a lot of life operates right now. Uh, do we have any responses to our discussion on Anoka Faruqi, um, on those, uh, on the materiality versus the opticality of those paintings, whether those glitches are um, um, tolerated or courted? Um, uh. It's funny when we were talking about that. I, I feel. I feel almost as it, that those are as difficult to talk about for me as, you know, it's like something like Wade Guyton. It's like, how do you get into that? You know, I felt a similar thing. Like, it's the same that you talk about the glitches in his work. There's some kind of similar thing going on there. For sure. Oh, for sure, or maybe. Because I think with him, the glitches are it. I mean, they, they have to be the glitches. They're mortgaged to their own glitches. Whereas um, uh, with her, I feel that it's that she's a more ha she's a hands-on genuine painter and that, that these are um uh that there's a whole different relationship to uh the generation of quirks in her work and i don't want to get stuck on it but just before we left talking about her you know glanced back and looked at one of them and you know lexi you were talking about their squares and in fact you know you look at them and they're well they're squares but they're not they're kind of fuzzy squares. And I, you know, I mean, I know you had some arguments with that, but I think that makes them more knowable, more organic, more approachable, maybe even in a way that doesn't register on a conscious level when you're engaging with them. I, I'm not, I didn't have an, uh, any problem with them being squares. In fact, in a way, it was the fact that they were so, that they were all squares, that to me... It's surprising to me that, that a whole room full of square oh, no, paintings could do what they did. I just mean that they're did. not that their edges are. Oh, I see. You know, they often we clean. think of a square yeah. as a clean square, oh, 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 and these I'm weren't. They away. were kind yes. of a little mm. bit wobbly. Right. Mm -hmm. They had you know uneven edges. I like that part of it. I guess I found it too likable. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> but it's a little bit like the painterliness of the 50s, of Alfred Leslie or something like that, the splash that became a kind of over-seductive ornamental mark that I, I think in the last 20 years we've seen a kind of painterly materiality sometimes does the same thing. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Uh, yes, cool. Thank you. I, <clears throat> pardon me. Element, I wasn't particularly impressed by the Faroki show. Um, I couldn't help but see it in sort of into the lens of a kind of zombie formalism that it's sort of tied to this um, this very particular process and this very particular sense of its own materiality. Um, I mean, it, as far as that goes, it's very good zombie formalism. I think that <laughs> right. it's um, she's Ouch. not numbing her hands of Novocaine. She's not making a fire extinguisher. She's using this very this process, which isn't isn't completely obvious. I mean, it could have been done with a brush. It could have been done with a brush if she had, you know, an infinite amount of time and an infinite amount number of assistants. <clears throat> but um, I don't know. I, I think I think in the in the end, I just was I just didn't really move beyond that process to anything anything deeper. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you guys had insights into it, which I obviously didn't get. But that's that was my take on it anyway. All right. Perhaps Via Selmans needs to make a meticulous copy of a. Um, Anoka Faruqi, and that will keep her busy for a long time, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> then we can exhibit them together. Excellent. I, I, Damien Loeb. 
Just, just as a quick response, I think those doubts are totally legitimate. I felt like I came to it with feeling some of the same things and was a little was won over more than I expected to be. Mm. Among other things, by the, um, the 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 color, by like those colors are so worked, so like particular, and if they feel to me like they're particular to the to what's going to happen to them, to the interference, mm. etc., and and the simplicity of some of the ways that they are made too. That like at the center of every one, there's a little moment where the two different circles, the, the inner circles, are are over are kind of linked and overlap, and you can see the whole construction of the picture begins there. That somehow that felt generous, kind of open. Here's how it happens. Here's how it works. Mm-hmm. That pulled it away from transparent. Yeah, yeah. The, pull, mm. From the sort of like strategic cynicism of of zombie formalism mm. yeah that's the the homemade zombie formalism as a yeah sensual zombie formalism we can be here for a while with variants on that um is there a lot yes the last comment would you yeah please wait for the mic though the front row please if you would well um alexi you just um, made me think of a question what do you think she should do with the sides of the painting? Because I think this, the goop is, I mean, that is really like the goop that comes out after combing it. Mm. So what, what should she do? Should she like sand it off or scrape it off or try to use less paint? Or, I mean, that, I, mean I, I think your comment's so interesting, but I don't know what the solution is. I, 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 don't, um, I don't have the solution to it, but I miss, it's just a question in my mind. I feel like it, it looks a little theatrical. It looks a little, it's back to uh, Ada's word, which was um, what, hunted for, or I can't like quote courted, it. Courted, courted, yes, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. You know, honestly, I don't know, but Wade Guyton makes it less of a question because you feel yes. it's out of his hands. Here, it's in her hands, it just it, it distracts me. Actually, an interesting point of comparison would be to the painter Ian Davenport, who showed at Paul Kasman earlier uh, this season and and you you with him you get these uh, drips of paint and at the bottom they all do they all go back and forth and that's that's showing how you know a, a strategy for making a painting can then lead to a, a strategy to end the painting and it's 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 just another motif within his sort of lexicon of strategies and I think with her um, it doesn't have that feeling quite. I mean, it, it is obviously <coughs> part of a routine, but not a strategy, if then one can draw a distinction between the two. <coughs> um, cool. I think we're in good time now to, yes, perfect time, to uh, move on to part two. So let's do our swiveling panelists and um, enjoy the movie. And see you in a minute, everyone. Oops. Part two of our discussion takes us to the Lower East Side, for exhibitions of Jennifer Coates at Freight and Volume and Leonhard Herzlmeier at Rachel Ufner. The title of Coates' exhibition, All You Can Eat, is a Depression-era concept and harbinger of post-war industrialised food production and attendant ecological disaster. Yet convenience food also possesses a magic that harkens back to an earlier time, the artist writes. Ice cream cones and popsicles are like portable rock art from the Paleolithic era. Instead of carrying around a small figurine as a talisman, we put ours on a stick and eat it. In the burning of the marshmallowy s'mores is the beginning and end of civilization. The schmear of cream cheese glows like an all-seeing eye through the portal of the everything bagel, 
welcoming you into the bacterial quantalism of swarming bits on its surface. Coates cites with approval Terence McKenna's observation that cows and early hominids wandered the savannas of Africa in tandem and that since psychedelic mushrooms grow in cow patties, the origin of human consciousness was spurred by the ingestion of these treats in the cow poop. In his American debut, German artist Leonhard Herzlmeier presents an exhibition at Rachel Offner titled All New Women. It follows on the heels of shows in Munich titled New Women and Latest Women, suggesting a pattern in his iconography. Dr. Daniela Stoppel of Ludwig Maximilians University Munich writes, the fact that the paintings are evocative of synthetic cubist works, such as those by Leger and Herbin, or pictograms or emoticons, is less due to consciously sought-after references to the 1920s or contemporary forms of visual communication, but the result of a lengthy process of form-finding. The show has been favourably reviewed in the New York Times by Roberta Smith, who writes, Flattened yet statuesque, these agile Amazons are frequently in motion, their poses simplified by strong colours. Bandy Mandy shows a large woman in purple with orange hair crouching on skates against light blue. Her white hockey stick bisects the image diagonally. Nearly all else adheres to right angles except for the curves of breasts, elbow and rump. Leisure, which shows a woman in summer white riding a bicycle and accompanied by her dog, is divided by a series of horizontal lines and forms. And in Rebellion, a running woman brandishes a banner of hot pink, the colour of the day, whose curling corners echo those of her raincoat. Cool. Thank you very much. Keep thanking myself. I don't know. Anyway. Well, thank you to the people projecting it. More to the point. So, Jennifer Coates. It's interesting that we've had pointillism come up in... Uh, uh, the accompanying text of uh, a couple of times already this evening, um, uh, Holland Cotter referring to the pointillism of uh, the night sky and Jennifer Coates, the, uh, <coughs> the, the biological something, pointillism of the God knows what. Anyway, um, um, yeah, these, these, these are strange and fun. Um, are they not? Do you find them satisfying? Uh, did they make you hungry, uh, Alexi? Um, hungry, certainly not. But um, I'm I'm a compromised uh, um, speaker on these paintings because I'm friends with Jennifer. Um, but I also I think I can say candidly and honestly that I was delighted by this show. I was delighted by the way it felt like a kind of manic all-nighter's worth of work. It felt comic, it felt um, impulsive, it felt colloquial, it felt smart but kind of reckless and uneven. Um, I liked some of the paintings much. I liked, the, for instance, the lion cookie enormously and the um, kind of weirdly anatomical-looking um, sandwich paintings that were near it, um, whereas the s'mores, for instance, felt just glib, just a kind of throwaway. But the overall spirit of the show, I enjoyed it um, a lot. I felt it just... It, um, 
as I say, it had a kind of, it seemed like a painterly comedian mm. with a project in mind, delivering it. Um, and unlike some kinds of comedians, it felt like one-liners were being, or mm-hmm. kind of relatively resonant one-liners were being dropped. Some didn't work, some did. Totally overhung, a kind of deliberate amateurishness to the, the hang in the gallery, and even to the catalog, where she produced multiple pages of um, free associative, tart, funny, evocative um, um, thoughts about her work. Mm. It, it felt, as I, it, it, to me, it was, this, it was all one impression of a kind of um, freewheeling, um, weirdly, it's something about it feels heartfelt to me. Yes. Um, in in its kind of um, and a, a kind of, and it had a kind of sloppiness while being enormously focused on these simple icons of processed food. Yeah, but they, they, they actually um, it's funny how you know moving from Chelsea and a, a, a septuagenarian um, iconic painter uh, artist to Lower East Side younger artist. Uh, different sensibility in many ways, the, the number of overlaps actually between Selman's and uh, 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 Coates really? in, the, in the obsessiveness. I don't see that at all. Oh, me neither. Uh, in, the, um, uh, in finding uh, a counterintuitive poetry in things of banality, primarily. Um, that that I would... But now I feel like you're comparing, even if it's poetry, it's like Emily Dickinson meets Allen Ginsberg. It's, right. You know, this is this is beat poetry if it's poetry. This is, um, mm. yeah, all, all yop. I'm trying to think of a fast food version of apples and oranges. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the fast food the fast version food. is, by the way, the Fat Boys song, which um, I think this title references the um, 1985 song, which probably some of you remember. By the w- early rap group, the Fat Boys, who did a song called "All You Can Eat," with with which was a litany of they're, they're go- there's an actually a music video where they go to the Times Square Sparrow, um, and it has a 3.99 special, and they eat everything, and then they run out without paying, and it's and it's but the verses are just listing all the food they're eating, and the show was kind of the same thing, a lot of the same food. See, to me, the it. If there was something I appreciated about the show, it was this, it was a, a kind of warmth towards, yeah. and it, you know, and, and one thing I wrote down when I was looking at the show, when I started looking at the paintings um, much more closely and getting up, um, really getting up close to them, they, um, there's one particular passage and it's in the TV dinner, um, the potatoes, and there, <laughs> and, and then I was reading about her process and sometimes she applies these gel, um, I'm not a painter, so I'm going to botch this, but uh, something to make the surface shiny. Um, and I just thought that that perfectly captures what those potatoes are like. Mm-hmm. That is those potatoes. And then she, and you're absolutely right about she has some, I mean, there, it, it, some of it's worth, um, actually worth looking at here because I wrote down a couple of things she said about her, and you know, I, I'm not I'm I'm not especially fond of the idea of, you know, you read something and suddenly you come to a better appreciation of it. I'm much more of the Donald Judd like you get it or you it, Yeah. Yeah. Don't. But you know, she says, As I husband the planar receptacle of muck that is the canvas, I want the paint to stand in for as many things as possible. And I and I read that and I thought, that's exactly what she's doing. It, she kind of set out to do that and she did it and there's something 
really satisfying about that. But I also just want to add, I, I do also like her, the way in which she's kind of, um, I don't want to say using the food as an excuse for, um, because that's not quite it, but she's she's painting these this food, but she's also doing like a Jackson Pollock, or yeah. it's, you know, you, totally. you, you well, know she's kind of going through mm. the history of painting in this, you know, matching it with this, um, you know, processed food. And there's a, there is a really pointed humor to that. I think there's a definite, um, I mean, it's almost channeling Wayne Thiebaud in the painterliness and the edibility. And, and, but, it's, but, but I think it's not like Thiebaud in that. Well, Thibaut it's not like Thiebaud because so Thiebaud loves food. Ah, so but Thiebaud loves paint. And I think she kind of has a love-hate with paint just as she does with uh, processed food. I think that, the, that she's sort of parodying abstract expressionism in what's essentially a kind of pop... Um, uh, like iconography. With the mustard and the pretzels uh, and the well, all over all the, psh, you know, it's um, it's it's um, it, it's almost saying that paint is not uh, nourishing now. It, that the paint has been compromised, just as food has been compromised. And there is, I mean, she's definitely, um, you know, it's not just from the statements, but one one that, that sure there's a lot of humour, uh, but there's also uh, there's an there's an anger pulsating through these paintings about what's happened to food, isn't there? There's a, Arrow, kind, of ag- Arrow, there's a kind of aggression. Yeah. yeah, would you go with that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, we might speak a little bit of the same kind of hedging that Alexi spoke first about um, the first show that we saw to, to, the, to the extent that the kind of, um, you know, the cartoony chunkiness that, that she clearly wants to transmit, which is, I think, fun and, and um, very much uh, her niche, is somewhat uh, oftentimes, in this, in this work in particular, I'm thinking of the s'mores, where it's clear that she kind of wants to, forgive me, have her s'mores and eat it too. Um, you know, her kind Had of, you know, her, yeah, all the food puns that come up are inevitable, yeah. right? Um, uh, that that there's a that this tension between the kind of the painterly and the gestural and the 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 obviously deeply illustrative um, kind of iconicity of these things on which I think the 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 the, the productness of them is based are our intention. I will say that I found I I thought that the um, you know not to make too much of press releases, but I thought that the press release was to some extent. Um, I mean, I think you're absolutely right that the levity and the humor are gainsayed by what is clearly a, a very sort of self-righteous, even sanctimonious discourse about food and processed food. And, you know, in the press relief itself, well, you know, your Snickers bar could have been made by some enslaved child. And, you know, that's all well and good. Um, and it's a noble cause to take up, but it has nothing to do with the work on the walls. And I think that it's... There's Except a that I'm pretty sure she wrote it. They're not a gallery. I don't care who wrote it. If okay. she wrote it or the gallery wrote it, it's still disingenuous to the extent that um, it, it seems deeply sort of portentous, mm. um, a, a, a complete disjuncture between the work that she's producing. That's kind of like putting a headline on a story that has nothing to do with the story so someone will click on it. It's like, you know, big food is a hot topic, you know. I agree with you. Like that, to to me, I didn't see that in the paintings at all, and I was, was sorry that I had read it before I went there. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I never read the press release before I see the show ever. Unfortunately, yeah, because I did. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, I thought that was 
It's like watching the trailer of the movie. They give, you know, and it and it's prepackaged. They package it in the way that you know they want you to consume it. And 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 I thought that the kind of, um, you know, I, there's a lot of Thibault. There's she's clearly, you know, pop is obviously, you know, everything from Wesselman to. Um, to Rosenquist. But it's to, also that know, the- pop thing of pop very self-consciously following panelists. Let's, let's look at our audience. Um, let's, of, of, the, of, of pop very self-consciously following uh, ABEX and reacting to and against ABEX. And so it's a pop subject, but in a way I think the, the, the hidden, the real subject is, is kind of abstract expressionist painting that she's um, parodying and utilizing simultaneously. I don't think she's parodying it. I think she's kind of having fun with it. Well, the parody can be fun, can't it? I th- see. I, this is back to w- w- the, the conversation earlier about kind of historicity or retrospectiveness or something. Mm. I feel like, of course, all that's true. That one one sees immediately pop and you know um, iconic food packaging references. That's that's there and it's mentioned um, in the press release uh, or, or in her essays but it feels surprisingly kind of loose or dis, dis separated from that it doesn't feel like it's artfully referencing the things it could be referencing it feels like it's trying to stay kind of um to kind of forget all that and and to work from a kind of anarchic um colloquial point of view but pop, pop itself is always deeply ambivalent and fraught, right? I mean, the second that it sure. was introduced in in both sort of Warhol and 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 Lichtenstein and and you know in Rosenquist, for example, those some of his paintings when they were exhibited abroad were taken as so. For example, when his his F bomber was exhibited in Rome, it caused a scandal because it was taken as this sort of celebration of American culture and military might. When it was, of course, this kind of critical dismantling of it, right? But Pop very quickly, those critical, the critical edge of pop was very, just as quickly dulled by its simultaneous participation in those Uh. icons. And I think that she walks a similar kind of, I mean, there is a real playfulness and a seduction. I mean, that that sugar cookie, the pink sugar cookie, the crack allure of the painting and the way, I mean, it actually did make me want to eat a cookie. Um, (laughs) And so there is a little bit of that love-hate. But there's a a game going on in her painting of bad cooking, I think. Um, of of um, uh, and and Rosenquist is a very good call, a very good point of comparison. Because you think of that painting of his that's got the the Heinz spaghetti and, mm. and this great field of it, and yeah. then juxtaposed a sort of David Sally uh, like uh, a generation, obviously two generations ahead. They're of David dialectical. Sally. They're the, dialectical. Yeah, they're dialectical. But um, it, it's are. impossible not to look at his spaghetti and think of Pollock. And it it is it's a it's a it's a sort of joke about. Pollock, I think, as well as it yeah, being could be. uh, uh, a statement about processed food and mass production and mm. and plenty and excess mm. and imagery and advertising, so it's all there in it. And I think she's she's um, she's doing that, but it's also got that Gustonian uh, uh, oafishness about it. Mm. Oafishness, yes, that sounds right. And to, uh, that's kind of, to me, in line with what I was saying before, that I felt like she's trying to s- separate herself from too much art historical knowledge, which would be easy to, you know, it's essentially too many cooks in the kitchen, and <laughs> instead to be, to be working like you're mm-hmm. thinking about rap music or the Ramones or something like that. Just mm. blind yourself a little bit and... Um, 
that that's the attitude and it's an attitude I, I i feel like is enjoyable even when when individual painting isn't i think her her concern her environmental concerns are very genuine and very deep i mean i just well, i also know her and so that's anecdotal i don't necessarily get it from the paintings per se more from the statement do, do you, do, does any of that come across for you, uh, Sarah? Uh, the, uh, well, I was actually thinking something different that she, not in the press release, but she points out it somewhere, um, maybe in an interview. You know, there's one of a Snickers bar, a Mars bar, I can't remember which one, and she sort of says that so it's a cross-section, and yeah, she talks Mars, about appreciating the, the, the form of that cross-section. I think she compares it to um, an, a, a tomb, an, an architectural form. Mm. And, and I, th- and that does come across in the painting that that kind of um and that's a kooky thing but it's all it, you know no pun intended no pun intended. <laughs> um it also i mean the, the the size and the scale also i mean the the i mean they're not quite oldenburg of course but there is that same sort of hypertrophic sort of reification of these things to underscore their artificiality too i mean maybe that's part of the love hate that david mentioned yeah because they're 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 also kind of realist paintings of synthetic food as well as 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 mm, uh, mm. as as well as being synthetic paintings of of real you know that's the the, the play between synth- the synthetic mm. and the real is is not just in vision but also in touch yeah well let's go to something that's um uh very clean at the edges and um uh, um, uh, but nonetheless highly synthetic. Um, um, the work of the German, uh, Leonhard Hutzelmeier. Um, I, I just walked into these and fell in love with them. I just thought the chutzpah of them, but the, the pizzazz, um, and just uh, um, seductively silly at first, and then um, uh, when you, silly and yet incredibly sophisticated, um, um, anybody can I mean, I, jump I, in on against that or with that? No, I felt very similarly to that. that I, of all the shows we've we've talked about, despite my um, professed love for Via Salmons, this is the one I I really enjoyed the most, and and I think it does hit you right when you come in, and that they're at once whimsical and highly sophisticated, and. Um, and they're the kind of paintings to me where you, you look at them and you do start going through all these, you know, you see Picasso in there, especially with the figure that's kind of crouched. Yes. Looks like it's on the beach. And I was thinking a lot about purism when I was looking at the show. Definitely. Um, which you don't see that coming into painting a lot. And that was refreshing. Late Leger, but also uh, Ozenfant. Amadei Ozenfant was um, with and its it, creaminess. Yes. And I, and I think there's... Um, you know, again, there's this sense of humor that the old woman with the pearls, um, th- this was actually pointed out in one of the reviews. It's like, um, did she steal these? You know, there's a, um, and I just think then just to appreciate how he is putting these shapes together mm. that, you know, could almost, sorry, <laughs> could almost slide into abstraction in certain passages. Um, an arrangement of, of shapes, such as in Leger, where he's almost abstract. Uh, and also then you go upstairs, and this is a little bit about the setting too, but those works on paper are just luminous and strange. 
and um and I almost like they those even aesthetic, better. Aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and just the way, and I mean, but when you talk about the space, just the particular space of that gallery, the way it's skylit, it just they really are in their best environment there. So I, I think that added to the to my impression of them. I'd love to hear from from someone who hated these. I don't. I didn't hate them per se. I I um I think that they are not really I, I don't think of them even as paintings i think that they're charming illustrations really i think that um they almost could be spared being put on canvas and they're interesting they certainly conjure up everything from Stuart davis to of course the purists and an american painter named uh um hilaire Ile. He had this French name who was who sort of was this hybrid of purism and American ah. kind of regionalism. Or even Richard Lindner in a, in a way. Yeah. Mm. Um, yes, exactly. And, the, the, you know, those sort of s the edges mixed with trans – the chunkiness mixed with transparency. There is something seductive mm. about it. But, you know, I mean, I think that uh, they are – they, they they seem too sort of illustrative to me. I mean, they clearly partake of something of that, you know, 1920s, 30s, yeah. neue Sachlichkeit, you know, corpulence. But they the, the pressing flat, um, the mix of those two things makes them seem almost like kind of emoticons to me rather than paintings. And, oh, really? Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested in that because... Um, uh, they they definitely of course they they are playing on the, their own um, graphic quality and historic um, allusions to I mean the, the British painter William Roberts also definitely comes to my mind um, but um, to me actually they do need to be paintings because of the second motif which is the kind of the color field. Um, minimal painting uh, quality that comes across that we actually uh, there's again uh, um, uh, th this having your cake and eating it thing this this uh, wafer being the wafer and 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 the body of Christ at the same time that 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 um, it's it, if they were just um, graphics they would be uh, charming and fine and okay but uh, the fact of there being paintings um, very, very beautifully dispatched paintings, but we we do get that um, shape, that color, that form in 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 a, in, a, in a strong dose. Would you agree, Alexi? I do. I'm 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 interested by um, Ada's resistance, especially here, because I feel some of it myself. And there's a worry as a painter that that we're all so readily beguiled by the sheer fact of something being delivered in oil paint on canvas that mm. a kind of successful graphic design with that surface is so much speaks to our you know um our appetites mm. and and these sometimes speak too easily to them i find them enormously beguiling i share mm. i think the three of us maybe they're share. fun i i admire i feel like odd is being more scrupulous and i'm i wish i wasn't so easily seduced and beguiled they you know to me the things that pull i, I guess i was interested in, in the gallery and why i why they seem to be succeeding and not falling into mm -hmm. the things they so so nearly are the two yeah. things i thought of were um obviously comics somebody like chris ware i think is in his head and also um not just 
30s illustration, which is certainly their advertising, but also um, children's, um, there, there's uh, like children's toys, wooden, the mm, painting of oh, the yeah. faces particularly mm, seems to me a deliberate blocks. reference to... Oh, uh, what's his name did those toys? Um, uh, De Perro. No? Feininger. Lionel Feininger sort of toy. Oh, okay. I wasn't yes. thinking of Feininger, but that makes sense. And there's, yeah. there's others. Anyway, those things seem to me to... to just pull it away from what could be over-familiar enough so that we kind of gave in to their cheer and um, their their kind of um, jaunty delicacy. But, they but, all, the, they also but they're not by. all cheer. I mean, there's mm. a darkness, too, that, that, I mean, one of them appears to be, like, what was it, vomiting or something, holding a chicken and... Yeah, she's... Upstairs, they got a little darker, didn't they? Yes. The and woman then, is um, spitting out like ground-up chicken into the bowl of the hands below. It's a, that's an odd one. That's the most. Yeah. And then the old woman with the pearls. There's a and and I think you know when you say oh they could be emojis. I mean I completely disagree with that because their 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 meaning isn't stable enough for that. You know like. But, I don't think they're I don't think they're really pursuing meaning though, right? They're they're. I mean, um, jauntiness and a, a kind of uh, trying to strike a certain meaning. But I, don't I mean, their think meaning is in jaunty. their their meaning. I think is in the the sort of the the comic like flattened illustrative nature, which is one of. I mean, you know, again, the press release says these are the, this variety of erotically charged images of women, and they're about as erotically charged as okay, you know my my iPhone, right? Um, but I no, but I think it's important to underscore but, uh, the a, way no, that they they're being a... presented, right? Um, I thought I thought that was artful about them. I thought like the beach one. I don't know if it's going to come up. The one that's almost like a letter D. Yeah, um, yes. Wait, that's the one that struck that's, me as that's the most graphic. That's the most. Yes, it's way. the most graphic. They're all the most Picasso-y. That might be the most. You're right, but it also I felt like you need to do so little to to get the kind of erotic charge that that, that you're you're referring with 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 just a few shapes to a kind of. That's why, that's why Richard Lindner and also Alan Jones come to my mind because of this. Uh, and I'm, I'm surprised that no one, perhaps our audience, will um, uh, be doing so. But I, I, I'm surprised. Uh, I was delighted to see Roberta Smith give her a good review and Sarah loves the work. I'm surprised that there's no sort of feminist critique of Roberta the Roberta Smith glibness. loves everything. So, I mean, she's no, not going she to... No, yeah, Come on. Yeah. That's, that's but I, I, it's funny. I mean, I... News to me. Th- again, like, you know... I don't want to go to things that are outside of what we could get just by seeing the work. Yeah. Um, however, you know, if you, um, so his, he, he has a brother who identifies as a woman who I believe is autistic. Oh. And so when he says all new women, he's talking about his brother. Oh, uh, that's, so that's it's a actually, um, right. Okay. It's more complex because I, I, I kind of was, found that a little grating too it's kind of you like, needed to know that you found it by accident or you wanted to i mean uh sorry of course you, you just you discovered it but um you needed to dig deeper to find that i mean in the sense that i asked rachel offner yes yes <laughs> right but that to me that's 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 interesting but not not just because it kind of is an anecdote that could slightly you know help us to empathize with the mind of the painter, but because it seems like there's two futures here. And one is that five years from now, we'll be thinking like, why was I beguiled by those little charmsters, yes. which are, were only ever destined to be slight. Mm-hmm. Right. Or we could be thinking that, that the, the, what got this artist to pull away from obvious, a range of obvious modernist sources and individuate himself that far has a, 
could continue mm. and and that something of kind of a, a, a distinctive experience and take on sexuality was is a motor that's just beginning to do more interesting right. things. Because I do think they are uh, quite deliberately transgressive. I think there's a certain bad boy in doing both illustration and uh, the focus on the female uh, that but, but I think it also it's significant to me that he he's looking back uh, that the, the element of pastiche in the work is actually looking back to a historic moment where uh, popular illustration and high modernist experimentation intercepted and and where there's a certain therefore a kitsch element in Elzitsky or Leger, and a very modern, streamlined, interesting, uh, exciting uh, uh, element to the, the, the graphic design of the 20s and 30s. In fact, um, uh, Roberta cited the most famous guy, whose name I've forgotten now, Ukrainian-born um, guy who designed uh, the Yves Saint Laurent logo and other things, um, bat uh, steamships and things. So, but it's that it's that it's that moment where uh, modernist language becomes uh, a vernacular. It's it's the the, the high low. It's that's uh, Art Deco. That's Art Deco. Yeah, Art Deco was the domestication exactly. of uh, the, the domestication. It's, it's actually of it's not it's not, but it's not high artists looking at popular illustration. It's popular illustration sucking something from high art, and I think that for him. Uh, at this historic, I think that's where, Dennis, that's where um, we're getting uh, a possibility of, um, that's why I think in a few years he won't necessarily just be this um, curiosity of the 20 teens because um, there's a, a hunger for something there. And I think that becomes also apparent when you go upstairs and see the, the drawings. Uh, you see that I have I a problem with the drawings. The drawings are nice, but they're they're not um, they're not important enough. They really they just feel because there are hundreds of people doing nice schematic, uh, handmade drawings and paintings. I think it's I think he needs the that's this is where I would answer Ara that he needs the scale and the finesse for the painting for the for the project to actually have any significance. Well, it's interesting I that really he's like measuring the dimensions of the canvas according to the body. I mean, the, the, the canvas is measured precisely to the dimensions of each of each individual body, which is interesting, right? There is no depth of field. There is no, um, you know, they are, the body determines the, the, the scale of the canvas, which is interesting, um, but still relatively, um, for me, does not manage to sort of lift them into... Uh, terribly far outside of illustration. For me. Right, right. Cool. Well, um, I think our, our audience needs to come in at this point because there's, uh, there's stuff to talk about with, with both of these. Um, again, let's start with the last. Let's start with Herzl Meyer. Um, just out of curiosity, how, how many of our audience saw uh, Coates or Herzl Meyer? Oh, wow. Oh. Same ratio as your panel. Okay, great. So um, you must be bursting with things to say. So um, anybody, anybody wish to weigh in on uh, Herzl Meyer's, um, uh, do they need to be paintings um, or are they just beguiling images? Um, that's, that's one of the themes that came up. 
Um, are, is there a dark and personal subtext, or is it a whimsical play with uh, postmodern language uh, and the high-low dichotomy? Um, uh, yes, uh, the front row, thank you. I have to admit I did not see this show, so I have a question for you. Was there anything about seeing this work in person that differentiates it from feeling very graphic and illustrative on screen? Really? Did it give you more? <laughs> yes, there are all kinds of uh, palimpsest areas, but they're very delicate. They're not like, this is back to the question about kind of hedging bets. They're not trying to show off the multiple decisions underneath them, but they're there. And you, I think you, you feel them, you sense them. In some places you see them, but it's quite, I, I admire that about them, that they're not relying on the, look how many prior you know, decisions I made to get this simple curve. Um, but I do feel like in person they have a little extra weight of of a kind of um, tacit history. So yes, I think I think that they are they're certainly made more more graphic by 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 a good deal in reproduction. Yeah. I didn't see the work, but I absolutely hate it. <laughs> I can't imagine anything more degrading. This guy must really hate women. I mean, it's like, let's put women in the most comical, ridiculous situations that we can put them in, objectify them, flatten them out, make them completely inhuman, and call it jaunty and cute. Hated them. Hated them, found them so sexist, I can't even... <laughs> I mean, it's funny, I, I'm just speaking as the only woman on this panel, um, I, I didn't get that from them. In fact, I, you know, first of all, I, I don't, you know, it's like, do you get that from Picasso? Because there's some of that there, too, you know, that kind of objectification. I think he's sort of playing with these, I mean, I was going to say there's something about these paintings where each one is, it's sort of like, now I'm riding my bike. Now I'm doing, there's, there is this kind of hmm. weird, um, the taking on of a persona or something. I think they're meant to have that quality. I, I, I don't find it insulting. But I can see I can see how it would read that way. I, I'm pleased, Anna, by that comment because I, I, I wanted them to be transgressive in order to like them even more. But um, I, I think you're I think that I think that's definitely he's playing with um, uh, He's definitely walking on thin ice, and so I, I was surprised by the, um, the the lack of that sense um, in the critical response, uh, both here and uh, in 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 the press. But maybe there's just secret uh, boiling not far from the surface, uh, a dismissal of of them for that reason. But I I think that it's part of their. Um, um, part of their transgression, part of what they think they're playing with. But above all, it's the, in a way, to have, the, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you had a strong viewpoint on it, and David, I'm glad you mentioned that, because it is, I feel like, as a more sympathetic viewer, I still felt that anxiety a little bit. What, what would be the most hostile take on this work? I'm, I'm, and I'm glad to have it articulated. 
And it seems to me that the, those two paintings, which are a pair on the end wall, mm. the um, bicyclist, bicyclist and, and the protester, yeah. are, are maybe the key for thinking about that because the protester could come across it could it could come across as a patronizing kind of uh, um, trivializing version or of, of a, or an explicitly female protest. Glib. Yeah, yeah. I don't. But I think there's also a direct reference in that pairing to to Leger, who's uh, the communist painter who also paints girls on bicycles. So it's it's it's. Um, uh, that's yeah. That's true. Um, that it's it's. There's something in the graphics that it's relating to that's populist. So here's a here's a high artist looking at a populist idiom. Here's um, presumably an uh, intelligent, clued-in uh, new man uh, playing a game with a kind of post-feminism that sort of teeters on maybe anti-feminism. But I but. I you know, then if you if you take into account his personal his his own story, his own situation, maybe he's trying to understand. Okay, if my brother, who has these, you know, um, problems, you know, and gender, and then, dis- no, no, I, I think he also is is autistic or has or is mentally uh-huh. ill anyhow. But he he does identify as a woman. Maybe this is a person trying to figure out well, what, you know, what do we think of when we think about women? And maybe some of it is these stereotypes, but he's allowing himself to go there. I mean, you know, obviously we could get into a discussion about who should or shouldn't paint what. Mm. You know. Uh, come back in May for that time. <laughs> uh, yes, another, yes, gentleman there. Um, when you go into the gallery, uh, the first painting you see on the right-hand side is a picture of a a man eating an apple, which I think is a little wink, perhaps uh, like a reversal of Adam and Eve, maybe? Mm -hmm. Um, Or Paris. Yeah. um, So I thought that was interesting. It seemed to me that he was looking in wonder at all these women around him. and the only thing that didn't keep me from going crazy looking at the paintings, because they're so tight, is um, is the there is a little once you, if you look closely, there's a looseness to them. You can see some of the marks. So, um, so please speak into the mic. I'm, I'm, oh, missing, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, missing some of what you're saying. And then, I think the uh, some of the shapes and forms he achieves are only possible in painting. And that's what keeps it from being too illustrative uh, in my mind. And then I'll throw one more thing. I I think that upstairs felt kind of like Jolensky drawings, which is... What drawings? Alexei Jolensky? Yeah. Oh, Jolensky. Yeah, right. Yes. I saw a little bit of that too. And also clay. There was a little bit of clay in there. Um, I I like seeing them though, because it made it seem like he wasn't, completely OCD and had a little, he was having some fun. So thank you. Great. Cool. And, and Jennifer Coates then, the, the, the synthetic food, the, um, the nourishment of Abex painting, um, a pop painting, um, or just a post-punk painter. Um, what do we make of Jennifer Coates? Any, any thoughts, feelings, um, 
um, questions about Jennifer Coates? Um, or are we just... Did, did she put us in the mood of whatever snacks are waiting for us at the gallery at one Grand Army Plaza? That's entirely plausible. We could continue the conversation there. Maybe a drink, a, a glass of wine. We'll uh, release all that we need to say to each other about Jennifer Coates. So uh, I'll see you all here on May the 5th, Friday, May the 5th, for uh, Jessica Bell Brown, Walter Robinson, and Harag Vartanian. And I will hopefully see plenty of you over the road. Thank you. <laughs>